0: Hello and welcome to the Trauma and Mental Health Reports podcast series. We aim to share stories and knowledge on topics related to trauma and mental health with the community. My name is Hannah Mugford, and I'd like to welcome our guest for today's episode, Mickey Atkins. Today we will be discussing combating mental health misinformation online. Let's get into today's conversation. Okay, so so these days it's perhaps now more than ever painfully obvious how uh, easily misinformation and disinformation spreads online especially now with covid that's come into like sharp focus mm-hmm. so i think that we have this sort of urgent need to combat the problem of misinformation online and you know it's this kind of misinformation extends to mental health topics as well and so i when i came across your channel i was really impressed because I feel like a lot of debunking content online doesn't tend to extend too often into like psychology and mental health. So I was very grateful to see that you were um, addressing this type of content and because it's sincerely needed. So, so first, let's just get to know you a little bit more. Um, Why don't you start out with telling us a little bit about yourself and what led you to a career in mental health? Sure.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. Um, So I know you probably already mentioned this. Uh, (laughs) My name is Vicki Atkins. Um, I am a full-time psychotherapist. I work in private practice with my uh, psychotherapy practice full-time and that's my regular day job but I also am a digital content creator. And so I make mental health-themed content on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and those types of things. Um, And I joke, you know, that my schtick is just talking about mental health and mostly um, it feels like that's all that I do (laughs) sometimes is just yam on about mental health and therapy. Um, But because I feel like it's something that is really important, uh, like you mentioned, there's a lot of misinformation about the topic. And so it's something that I, felt strongly about after I graduated with my, uh, MSW that I wanted to share in a medium that was more accessible to people because historically access to mental health information is behind a paywall. Um, and especially quality mental health information is behind like a pretty steep paywall. So I wanted to create a space in a community that is accessible to folks and that feels safe. Um, And that feels fun and interesting for people to be a part of and to kind of participate and learn more about these topics that isn't being talked at, that isn't, um, you know, like a PowerPoint
0: presentation so that we can continue to
1: grow and learn together.
0: Absolutely. And that's really interesting that you talk about uh, content that's more relatable, right? Because um, I think... I find that that is a strength of your content. Um, that oh, it's not, it doesn't come off as this kind of like science education kind of thing, right? <laughs> Which like is is fine. There's a lot of content yeah. like that on YouTube that's excellent, right? Yeah. But uh, I like this sort of like, you know, you're a friend. You're someone that you know you can feel safe around and that sort of thing. So I really commend you for that kind of content, on YouTube.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that
0: a lot. Yeah, no problem. Um, so you started your YouTube channel in June of 2018, mm-hmm. um, from what I gathered. And was there something like very specific during that timeframe that prompted you to that do that? Uh, or was it something you thought about for a while?
1: No, um, it was very much a spur of the moment decision. Um, partially, it was motivated because I'm the person who has ideas for things all of the time. And we'll just kind of throw stuff out there and be like, oh, wouldn't that be so cool if we did this? And my <laughs> husband is the person who's like, great, let's do it Saturday at 3 PM. And oh, wow. okay. uh-huh, yeah, like he's the person who puts rubber to road. Um, and so I had talked about it a little bit. And at the time I was getting a lot of questions from friends and family and like random people that I went to high school with that I didn't really talk to anymore that were showing up in my DMs and being like, hey, I saw that you're a therapist. I was just curious, not for me. (laughs) Just wondering, (laughs) like, how would a person, not me, definitely not me, find a therapist? And so I was getting lots of these types of questions. And I told my husband, like, wouldn't it be so cool if I could concentrate this information in a specific place that felt safe, that was like cool and interesting and fun, you know, and like talking to someone who's normal, you know, cause like I'm normal, I like to think that I'm normal. <laughs> um, and, you know, because also at the time, the only other therapist YouTuber that I was aware of was Katie Morton, um, who her channel is very educational and does lean very heavily into like the therapist armor, the like wearing the therapist hat thing. Yeah. Um, And so I felt strongly about making a channel that was more personable. And so my husband did the thing that he does where he said, awesome, we're gonna go to your office on Saturday and we're gonna film some stuff. And I was like, okay, (laughs) sure, that sounds great. And so we just started filming videos that were terrible. They were poorly edited and thankfully, (laughs) thankfully those have been wiped from the internet forever. Um, But yeah, it just kind of took off
0: from there really. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And you're right. Like, you know, even in researching this topic, uh, it was hard to find mm-hmm. therapists on YouTube that sort of do this kind yeah. of like uh, this type of content that you're doing. So it, it really is um, a void in YouTube that needs to be mm-hmm. filled. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask, how do you go about choosing the specific topics that you're going to cover in your videos?
1: So, part of it is through crowdsourcing those ideas from my community. Um, my subscribers and my um, community is like such a wonderful group of human beings because they are always leaving comments and suggestions uh, for shows that I've never heard of or things that I am not aware of. And so I feel like I'm constantly in this phase of like researching and searching new things. Um, part of it is also just me being aware of things in popular media that I'm like, Oh my God, no, like that's so wrong, Um, and that is originally how a lot of the therapist reacts content started. Um, my husband and I would be sitting down to watch like Grey's anatomy or like the office was a big one. Um, the episode where where Toby tries to be a social worker with Michael. And I was like, this is never how you would do this. Um, yeah. And so I was just like, we should talk about this. Like, this is funny and this is cool. And you know, like, it's very lighthearted, but I think, you know like i i told my husband i was like i hope that no one is walking away from these shows with the understanding that this is actually what therapy or mental health professionals behave like you know um and so we do kind of a combination of approaches where if it if it grants my gears we're going to talk about it for sure <laughs> um but also if my community is interested in it we're for sure going to try and talk about it
0: got it got it very good um so Talking about social media because I know that you cover a lot of, um, you know, you react to a lot of content that you find or your your subscribers yes. find like, um, on TikTok yes. and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so, just in a broad sense, first, do you think that social media? Because I mean, YouTube also qualifies mm-hmm. as social media in a sense. Do you think yeah. that social media, as of right now, kind of plays a net positive or net negative role? in mental health information?
1: (laughs) I think it depends on how you use it. Um, And this is something that I've been wanting to talk about on the channel for a while. So I guess if you're a subscriber of mine, congratulations on getting a sneak peek. Um, I want to talk a little bit about media literacy because there is very much room for interpretation about the impact of social media based on the way that we're using it, how often we're using it, the types of content that we're consuming, the people that we are interacting with. Um, Because, you know, depending on where you land or what side of the internet you find yourself in, there are varying impacts, you know? Um, I think especially people who grew up in the, the Gen Z cohort are familiar with the impact that places like Instagram can have on body image and things like that, because there's this very competitive energy that exists there. Um, but you know, if you're a person who's consuming content that's explicitly body and fat positive, you're going to have a very different experience there. Um, and so I think that's why the content that I make feels so important to me because it, at least in my mind is trying to create this space for people to kind of understand that social media doesn't have to be a place that's sucking the life out of you or is contributing to your mental illness. It can very much be a place that feels validating, that feels life giving. um, and that fosters this sense of growth, you know, like a lot of the content on my channel also talks about how to find a therapist or make the most out of your therapy experience. Um, and like encouraging people to go to therapy, like interact with mental health services in the most, um, like feasible and approachable way that we can find. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a question that's very much up for debate. I think a lot of folks, especially like traditional influencers may not be contributing to that culture in a way that is helpful to people. Um, but I suppose that's a conversation for another day. (laughs)
0: sure yeah absolutely um so now a little bit more narrow on the sort of same topic but um regarding the like individuals on social media that Mm -hmm. are perhaps putting out misleading content especially content that can be potentially harmful um, related to mental health um do you have an opinion on where this behavior like is sort of what it's rooted in is do you think it's ignorance do you think it's attention seeking it's probably a mixed bag but what are your thoughts on that
1: girl i have lots of feelings and opinions about (laughs) this tell me (laughs) (laughs) so at least in my experience a lot of the motivation for sharing information on youtube especially that is not based in science tends to be money related um If you notice a lot of the channels that are sharing information about mental health, that's not based in evidence-based practice. And it's not, um, backed by the research, but it's very clickable. It's very interesting. It's very sensational. These are channels that are pumping out content. Like it's their like end all be all like they have nothing else to do all goddamn day. (laughs) It's impressive. Honestly. Yeah. Um, I've actually gotten yelled at by people (laughs) because I called one of these channels um, like similar to 5-Minute Crafts in that it had a very content farm-y feel. Um, But that really is what happens sometimes. Like these channels, the the actual subject matter really doesn't make a difference. Like some of them make life hacks videos. Some of them make 5-Minute Crafts videos. Some of them make like the baking hacks videos that I'm sure we've all seen where they try to make ice cream into frosting. Doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. A lot of it, It's just geared toward getting clicks and getting views because the more clicks and views you get, the more AdSense you make and like the more money that you're putting in your pocket, basically. Um, I'm sure that there are smaller creators who are well-intentioned that are just sharing information um, that isn't necessarily based in evidence-based practice. And I think some of that is related to the very um, like authoritarian approach that uh, the academia world has to um, sharing like research and like scholarly articles and things like that, it's very difficult for like your average Joe to find, um, you know, like actual peer reviewed research. And so I think sometimes people are just doing the best that they can with what they have, which is like Google, you know? Uh, (laughs) And so like, especially too, if someone doesn't know how to properly interpret research, sometimes people are sharing things that seem to make sense because they found a couple of research articles on on Google Scholar, but maybe they're not interpreting it correctly. Um, So it's very much a combination of things. In my opinion, a lot of the most egregious offenders are people who are mostly just trying to make money. Um, And the way that the platforms are set up, unfortunately, is just rewarding them because they're making money hand over fist.
0: Absolutely. And you know what that uh, reminded me of actually is um, a lot of these sort of alt health content mm-hmm. is similar where yes. it's, you know, they, they advertise themselves as, as being sort of anti big pharma, you know, but then they're selling you their own supplements or crystals or whatever mm-hmm. it is for yeah. like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. The the motivation is often financial. So I, yeah. I will give you that. Um. So here's another question for you. Um. So like I was just saying that this problem of misinformation does extend beyond mental health, you know, physical health, medicine, Mm -hmm. politics, all of that stuff. Yes. So so this has kind of prompted as we've seen social media companies to sort of crack down and have some harsher regulations when it comes Mm -hmm. to misleading content and that kind of thing. But then of course, there's that backlash against that where there's, this idea that there's, oh, this is limiting free speech and, and that kind of thing. And, and like you were saying, it's very difficult for the average person to kind of absorb scientific literature. Yeah. Um, so, so what would you think is a, a good route to take? I know this is a really hard question to answer, but in the sense of like, um, do you think like these harsher regulations are good thing or do you think that we should just kind of you know wild and free on the internet
1: (laughs) i think i mean you're right it is a hard question to answer um because part of the issue is that with harsher regulations we can't necessarily guarantee that folks are going to stop sharing the things that they're sharing i mean we saw a little bit of this happen in parlor Um, earlier this year when Facebook decided to like, for like a split second, actually care just a teeny tiny bit about people sharing this information, um, people who are really on the fringes, um, freaked out and migrated en masse to a different social media platform called Parler, which was like really a cesspool for conspiracy theories and very dangerous ideas. Absolutely. Um, and so I think it can get into dangerous territory really quickly, but there's also merit, I think, in you know putting putting a foot down and saying like you know just because people might migrate to different places or might try to find like darker corners of the internet to share their conspiracy theories and their um, not evidence based practice <laughs> doesn't mean that we should just let them share their garbage on Facebook. Um, because it is very harmful. And I think a lot of the issue that I take with this is that people who don't know any better and who are genuinely looking for resources, um, you know, like in the mental health world for their own anxiety or their own depression, or maybe they're just noticing, like, especially with COVID this happened, um, you know, like, I just don't feel like myself and I don't really understand why. Um, I just am maybe feeling more nervous or like, I can't relax. Um, I just, am having trouble feeling situated like I was and so people start to kind of casually consume this content on the internet and they have no way of knowing what's real or what's evidence-based or not and so they might end up with something in front of them they this happens a lot with like these infographics and these posts that are like so out of left field that like they're are actively harmful to people sometimes <laughs> um and it's very frustrating you know to see these social media platforms, not removing them and not restricting them because it's it's not advantageous for them to do so. They don't really care, honestly. Um, and ultimately it's it's harming individual consumers. It's like really disappointing.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. I, I completely agree. Um, and so going further with that, do you have any advice on how the average consumer can be a little bit more mindful or how they can recognize misinformation more readily, anything that they can uh, look out for to assess credibility, that kind of thing.
1: One of the things um, that I really like encouraging people to use the litmus test is actually something that was shared by another health creator. Um, her channel name is Mama Dr. Jones, but she's an OBGYN who shares information oh, about female reproductive content. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, and she encourages her followers and her subscribers to ask themselves the question, what uh, vested interest does this person have in sharing this information with me? Um, and what credentials do they have to be sharing this information with me? Uh, as well-meaning as our aunt Kendra can be in sharing information <laughs> about anxiety on Facebook, you know, or your uncle Kenny can be and trying to tell you about, you know, why you should never go to therapy, you know, are they credentialed and like a credible source to be sharing this information with you? And where did they get that information from in the first place? Um, And also just for what it's worth as food for thought, it never hurt anybody to do a follow-up Google search. Uh, (laughs) Sometimes even just a basic Google search after the fact can be very illuminating. Um, especially if we are talking about things that are ingestible, um, one of the things that pushes my buttons above all else is people peddling essential oils as ingestible. It's so, so dangerous. Please don't ever put essential oils in your body unless you have a like credentialed qualified medical professional explicitly telling you that you need to, um, because it's super dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. You can hurt yourself so easily. Um, really, realistically, we should not be putting like medicinal things in our body. unless <laughs> a doctor tells us to. Um, and this happens a lot on social media where people are sharing like, you know, young living essential oil can cure your anxiety and like, probably not though. So like maybe don't. And Especially if they're trying to sell you these and make you part of their downline, maybe that's not the place that we want to get our information from.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. I didn't even know that that was a thing like ingesting mm-hmm. it. Wow. Okay. Wow. It's there very you go. dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Geez. I mean, they, I mean, I know that with essential oils with certain ones, they say that you can't even put it directly on your skin, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, cause it can burn you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And some of them make you photosensitive over time too. So you're much more likely to
0: sunburn and like
1: permanently damage your skin long-term, like very, very dangerous stuff.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So the last thing I'll ask you um, is just sort of with your, with the direction your channel is going in, you know, you've, you have a very decent amount of subscribers and you've built this wonderful community online. What are your goals? Like far, like let's look into the future. What, what are you hoping for?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have said before, and I will say it again, I never thought, I know it's like such a cliche thing and all the YouTubers say this, but I never thought that this would happen. Um, I truly made the YouTube channel to have a place for these answers to live. Um, so that when people from high school ask me how to find a therapist, like, I made a YouTube video about it and send it instead of typing the same answer again. Um, and so if my channel never grows beyond the point that it does, I'll be happy with that. I am so beyond jazzed to have a community of people who are so kind and so respectful and just like genuinely excited about mental health. It's a little bit of a niche topic, I think. And it was, I think a bit of a lofty goal, um, initially to think that I would find this many people who were as excited as I am. to listen to me, yam on about therapy and mental health. (laughs) Um, and so I am trying to exercise a little bit of gratitude and like, um, you know, expectation monitoring with that. Um, But I would love to see the channel, you know, continue to grow and to get bigger. Um, Eventually, I'd love to create smaller communities where people can connect with each other in a safe way. Um, If we can develop the um, appropriate moderation and like safety tools around that um, so that we can have smaller groups where people can, you know, get to know each other and create a sense of community around that. It's not lost on me that the reason a lot of people find my channel interesting or valuable is because of the validation that exists there and seeing comments from other folks saying like, hey, I also have this issue or like, hey, I also have recovered from this or dealt with this. And so I would love to have these places that are dedicated for people to connect with each other in a more meaningful and and direct way. Um, but like I said, it's important to have like some safety precautions <laughs> on that first. Um, so yeah, I think my, my long-term goals really are to just keep doing what we're doing and keep trying to get bigger and keep creating connection. Um, my professional goals for my business are to create a behavioral health agency um, here in Tucson. I work in private practice now, like just as a one woman show but my goal is to make this agency that offers services from you know birth to death um, that runs the gamut of like all identity factors and um, need. Um, so that's, that's like the, the 30 year plan. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Amazing, I love, I love to hear that. And thank you so, so much for coming on. I'm so glad that we got to hear your perspectives on all this stuff, such an important topic. I will put the link to your channel um, in the description of the podcast. So we invite all of our listeners to check Mickey Atkins out. Her content is wonderful and sorely needed. So once again, thank you so much for joining us here at the Trauma and Mental Health Report. Thanks, Mickey.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad I could be here.
0: You've reached the end of this episode with the Trauma and Mental Health Report podcast. Thanks for joining us. Connect with us at trauma.blog.yorku.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and newsletter to see our latest content. See you at the next episode.